0: Alright, right, right, here we go. This is the NBA Dream Podcast for RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I'm your host, Sleepy J, joined once again by NBA betting expert, Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie and I will go ahead, we'll cover some hot NBA topics, NBA games for Wednesday, and of course our best bets. Also Wednesday, it's time for our featured podcast segment, the Wednesday Five. I'll announce last week's winner here in a little bit, and if you guys don't know what the Wednesday Five is, stay tuned. And you guys could actually go ahead and win a little bit of cash. Let's bring Mackenzie in. Uh, Mackenzie, I do have to ask you quickly. I was thinking about this one. Who's your most hated NBA player of all time?
1: You know, a lot of people like him, but I got to go Matthew Della Vidova. He just Della Vidova dived at a few two knees in his day for me to uh, for me to forget. I might forgive him. I'm not going to forget that. So, uh, yeah, he always rubbed me the wrong way. Matthew Della Vidova, my most hated player ever. I don't have any real opinion on him, but
0: I think actually the guy that I dislike kind of plays like him or played like him and for me it kind of carries over from college into the NBA I hated this guy so much in college that I couldn't stand him in the NBA and when he fizzled out I was so happy about it and it was Bobby Hurley Mm. um don't know why I have a lot of dislike for him I think it was actually because I rooted against him so much in college that I just wanted to see the guy fail and you know what it's like Mackenzie when a guy just constantly beats you because he's good you sometimes have a little bit of dislike so uh for me uh Bobby Hurley, not a big fan of him, but you know, he's been long gone now for, you know, what, 20, 25, 30 years now. So with that out of the way, let's go ahead, let's get down to business here, Mackenzie. Enough fun and games. Let's go ahead and let's get into some games here. Uh you picked out the Pelicans at the Bulls game, and the Pelicans right now are minus minus two and a half. We have a total of two thirty,
1: two and a half. Which way are you looking for this one today? I like the Pelicans minus two here at the United Center. And these teams have played pretty similarly. One's five and five, one's six and six. However, I still pretty much have the same preseason opinion of both. I think the Pelicans are a lot better, and I love the matchup here. So what are the Bulls? The Bulls are a – we talked about this before. They have offensive wings in Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and defensive guards in DeSuma, second-year player, and Alex Caruso. Pelicans don't really have a lot of guards that you can take away with elite point guards. I mean, Devonte Graham, you can settle. He's going to score 10 points, whether you guard him or not. What the Pelicans have is paint scores. And that's where I think they're going to dominate the bulls tonight at the United center because they're not going to play Andre Drummond. He hasn't been good enough to play. And it's really telling he's playing 17 minutes a game. The guy's 29 years old. Nikola Vucevic is really their dominant center because they need his scoring output. And he's three years older. He's 32 years old. So I think, Just as an aside, that really tells you where the league has gone the last six years. In 2016, Andre Drummond was 23 years old, and he made his first All-Star game. Since then, Vucevic was 26. He wasn't even sniffing the All-Star games back then. Since then, Vucevic has made two All-Star games, and now he's the starting center. And Andre Drummond, despite his 25 million he got last year, this year, playing 17 minutes a game, he's a role player. So either they play Drummond a lot, which has been a, Oh, breaking news, uh, the Nets have removed interim tag from Jack Vaughn, and he is now their coach. Anyway, um, yeah, either they're going to play Drummond a lot, and I think that's not going to work in an up-and-down game against the Pelicans, or in any game. That's why he's playing 17 minutes a game. Or they're going to have Vucevic against Zion, against Brandon Ingram in the paint. Uh, I just like the matchup on my power ratings, makes us close to the number. So, um, And plus, I don't really respect the United Center's home-court advantage. Being from Chicago, I know when it's lit in the city and when it's all popping and when it's Derrick Rose and people are crying in the stands and they care about the team. And when they don't, now is the they don't really kind of time in Chicago basketball, and that's my perception of it. So I don't think the United Center scares me. I think the Pelicans are at least as good enough to be minus two. And I think with the, with the matchup advantages they have in the paint, uh, I would make this number four, four and a half. So I'm going to go with the Pelicans. I like that play. Uh, what do you think of the game? I was leaning there with you with the pels. I think that
0: one of the issues is the inside for them as you had mentioned. I think one of the things that um this Bulls team struggled with and I think they struggled with it last game is the fact that, you know, DeRozan's not an outside shooter like he needs to be, you know, relatively inside the paint, just inside the three point line and they they could defend that I think rather well. And Valanchunas, you know, he can give uh, Vuković a little bit of trouble. It's going to come down to Levine maybe going ahead and trying to shoot their lights out but He's not exactly healthy. I mean, he was—he he maybe was supposed to be out. The last game ended up playing, but yeah, I don't know. I it would—it would be the Pelicans for me. I think that they're just the more solid all-around team. And if the Bulls can't go ahead and put up points against this Pelicans team, I think the Pel's are what the highest highest scoring team in the league. Um, it's going to be trouble. And if if DeRozan can't get his easy buckets, easy looks you know at the basket and he did not last game i think he only had like six points in the last game
1: against toronto so yeah you make a great point on derozan and you look at his true shooting percentage he's actually significantly better than he was last year through 12 games i don't expect that to continue uh i expect him to regress some especially if he's not getting those easy looks i don't think he's going to get those against valentunas and all the paint guys that that the pelicans bring to the table all right well that's our first game
0: that we have wrapped up for today let me go ahead and get into a game that i like here quite a bit there mac Now, the line has moved on this one. It's in the game between Utah and Atlanta. Current line this game, Atlanta minus 3.5, and and we have a total of 228. This opened at 226. I like this over. I think Trey Young comes back tonight, but defensively, neither of these teams are really all that good. Now, Vanderbilt actually might sit out here for Utah, and I think that that will actually reduce any defense in which they had and probably actually speed this game up a little bit more. But it's not just about the defense. It's really about the offense for me you know, they combine to score 232 points a game. And I think that this is one of those style make fights type of game. The Jazz, they shoot a ton of threes and the Hawks, they're the six fastest paced team in the league. So the total has gone up here for a reason. I don't think it's gone up enough. I made my line McKenzie 233, and that might seem a little bit high, but I feel like that's correct. So the total movement makes me feel pretty good that the betters are are going to this over here. So over 228 for me is the play that I want to make. Not sure if you have any thoughts on that, but I think that at
1: 226, it was just completely wrong. 228 and a half, I'm still liking that bet. You look at cleaning the glass, they're number one on offense. I would make a major bet they're not going to be number one by the end of the season. However, they continue to beat everyone's expectations. So maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe they are that good. It's funny, they were the number one offense last year. They were close to it. Uh, and then they were just terrible in crunch time, and everyone said, you got to break up Gobert and Mitchell. Completely different roster, except for Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley, and somehow number one on offense through 12 games, and they're 15 on defense. So I feel like they're having fun right now. They're uh, surprising people with their pace and with their shooting, but they're not stopping anybody, especially an Atlanta team that needs to win if they get Trey Young back. I generally agree with you, but let me ask you a question. The market is right now saying that they're uh, – The Jazz are about a point and a half, two points worse than the Hawks. That would make them six points better than when I had them to start the season. I've upgraded them four points, but I can't bet against them because they continue to just shoot up my power ratings, shoot up everyone's expectations. No one one has seen this coming. What have you done with the Jazz? Where have you taken them uh, from win total-wise? They're expected to be the worst team in the league. Now it looks like they're expected to be an average team. Dead average team, 16th in the league. Uh, so from 32 to 16 is what the market has moved it. I've moved it from 30 to 20th. Uh, where do you think the Jazz, how much better are they than you expect to start, to start the year? They're far better than I expected. I mean, we,
0: we did a, a preseason podcast and we were talking about this team maybe being historically bad, you know, along with, with the Thunder and, and teams like the Spurs. For me, it, it's pretty simple, is that I was wrong on his Jazz team. So, you know, it's early in the season. I can come in here and say I was wrong on his team. Uh, but, you know, again, we talked about, you know, trying to get this team, you know, off to a bunch of wins and, and then, you know, eventually fading them because we think that they yeah. will yeah. sell off. But I feel like 20 is, is fair, Mackenzie. I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with, with that. I think this team was, uh, you know, being thrown under the bus to say that they were going to stink. And, um, you know, they're out there doing their best to prove everybody wrong but i do think eventually the blow-up is going to come
1: this number we talked we talked about how once they get bumped up to 30 and a half we're gonna look at their under well i didn't make that bet personally i'm glad i didn't nine and three right now they're over under at william hill is 39 and a half so through 12 games they've improved from 23 expected wins to 40 almost doubled what the market expected i could only look under they're gonna sell off They don't really have any ambitions. I'm not going to bet it, but if I was going to bet it, I would have to go under still. uh, I mean, this is just a crazy reaction, that they're going to win 30 more games out of the next uh, 30 out of 70. I guess if they're an average team, the market's pretty consistent on this. I disagree. I don't think they're an average team. At least they don't have average prospects. But, hey, Laurie Markin in 24 a game, give it to him. I think the one thing that we do have to take out of the equation
0: here, with this team is the teams that this team has beaten. Like it's not like they're out there beating crumb bum teams. They beat the Nuggets, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves. They beat the Grizzlies twice. They beat LA Clippers and LA again. So um, it, they're beating teams with, you know, star power on there. So I don't know. Maybe they're just playing above their head, but a 39 and a half McKenzie. I don't know, dude. Like at some point you just got to pull the trigger and and say, screw it. I'm going to do it. And then just live and die with, you know, the decision that you made. But. I think you and I stand pretty strong that this team's eventually going to, you know, sell off because they're not going to get, you know, a high draft pick going out there doing what they're doing. But I mean, this isn't a championship team. So you see
1: that you see the pictures of Danny Ainge looking at the Joe uh, Will Hardy, the coach, just kind of like, "What are you doing? What? Stop it! Right? Stop winning! <laughs> <laughs> Please, come on, we have a plan." All right, well, let's talk about uh, our under and
0: overperforming player. Talk about some winners and some losers here. Uh, you have an underperformer that you want to highlight. I have an overperformer that I want to highlight. Who are you looking at? Who's your guy that's uh,
1: not doing so well right now? I've talked about this guy before. It's got to be said, number two pick in the draft before LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman has been a bust. He's been a bust. And I'm tired of of couching it, in. he's got great prospects. I, I kind of sound like probably somebody that doesn't like Trey Lance and is, is tired of people hanging on to his potential. But, you know, that's a story for a different day. I still hang on to his potential. But with James Wiseman, every time he's on the court, per 100 possessions, pretty much per game, stretch it out for a game, the Warriors are losing by more than 20 points per game. They're getting drilled when he's on the court. And this isn't new. His rookie year, he didn't play last year, but his rookie year, every time Kevon Looney was on the court, they were like plus 10. I'm using round numbers here. And when James Wiseman was was on the court, they were like minus 8. Now it's like plus six for Looney and minus 20 for James Wiseman. You just can't play him. And the fact that he's having uh, spouts and he's looking disappointed he didn't get the ball, like where does he get this arrogance and confidence? I don't know. Bob Myers, the GM of the Warriors, is saying, uh, you know, he's not worried. Uh, This is one quote. If he had more runway, I think I'd be a little more concerned, Myers told The Athletic. But there's still not a lot of games. I think it's whether James or Young, big big in the league, or any player at the position, young baseball players, football quarterbacks need reps. Same thing with James. Some players come in and get it right away. I think it's rare. Okay, well, he's, there's a little bit of honesty towards the end of that quote. He doesn't get it right away. He's not one of those players. I don't think it's been just a few games. This is year three in the summer league. He had some incredibly... Awful statistics. I know the summer league doesn't matter, but that's exactly why you should be able to put up some numbers and help your team win some games against, you know, guys 90% of which are never going to make the league. Uh, So I don't hold the same optimism. The fact that they sat him out um, in a recent game made a lot of sense to me. I feel like they need to trade him. They need a real backup center. Draymond Green can't play more than 30 minutes a game, especially in the regular season. Wiseman has been too disappointing for too long to keep the status quo, in my opinion. There's a reason the Warriors are four and seven. It's not because they're starting lineup. Starting lineup's been fine. It's because of their bench, and he is the key culprit. So uh, very disappointing so far, and I think if I'm a Warriors fan, I'm advocating for change. With the Warriors, Mackenzie. I could tell you that one
0: of their biggest problems right now is the bench. No doubt. Their bench scoring and bench defense has just been absolutely terrible. Um, they look all out of sorts. I think Kerr has no choice but to do something with the lineup, whether – you know, it's end up sticking out Wiggins and Thompson out there. You know, with Pool and limiting, you know, the amount of young guys he has on the floor right now. Because if you can't count on Wiseman, you know, to go out there and do his job, then you're kind of stuck in a, in a little bit of a bind. And we saw, you know, the Warriors had a tussle in the last game, you know, against the Kings where they were up and then they got outscored. I think it was like fifty-eight to twenty-eight, um, you know, over a period of time because the second, you know, the second wave of guys is they couldn't go out there and do their job. Here's my thing with Wiseman. And I think that he was afraid of what just happened, the fact that he was going to get benched. If you watch him play McKenzie, and we've seen this time and time again, there's this weird flash or two flashes where a guy goes out and he just looks so damn good. And it was like, there's that dude, man, like for real. And then all of a sudden he disappears. Like I feel like he's, he could, it could be the, it could be these two things. He's really good in practice. And then when it comes time for the game, he plays like crap. But I also feel like from what I see is that he's just afraid to go out there and play power basketball, take command, and do what he needs to do. It's always like, well, if I do this, you know, that could happen. And if I don't go to the bucket so strong and I maybe kick it out or just, you know, do do this nice little easy layup, like I don't feel like he's playing his best game. He's not
1: playing power basketball. Um, and I, I think that th- that's what I see. I see the same thing. He's assertive on a, on a lob to start the game. He seems like, you know, the seven-foot – Dynamo that should be drafted second when it's just a post move or when it's later in the game, uh he seems a little bit tentative, more than a little bit. And it's been, it's not his, it's not his first game. It's not his second game. It's his freaking like hundredth game in the league. Um, So the potential is no longer that impressive when we have real results to go on. Right. And I think that that's one of the reasons why he's been benched,
0: not just because of poor play, because you are not playing, you know, up to the standard in which, you know, we've we seen you guys, you know, seen you go out there and play. So we'll see. Um, definitely an underperformer. My overperformer, and I'll make this one quick there, McKenzie. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll say it's Anthony Simons with the Blazers. I think that he's fully taken over um, as the replacement for C.J. McCollum and is actually starting to understand, you know, that role that C.J. actually played. A lot of people were looking at McCollum leaving. and was like, oh, man, this Blazers team's going to end up blowing up. You know, Dame's going to leave. But that's not the case. You know, the Blazers are actually playing quite well right now. And Simon's is playing quite well. He's scored, I think it was like 25 points in like four out of the last five games. His assists have been up and he's been, you know, an intricate part of this offense. His PER is not exactly all that great because his assists have been down throughout, you know, the, the first couple of games and his rebounds have been down. But I actually watched this guy play and I knew he was good going back, you know, you know, back to his college days. But it seems now he's embracing this role. And he understands who who he is and what this team expects of him. And that Dame Lillard doesn't need to have the ball in his hands constantly shooting. Like, I think that that was maybe some of the some of the drop-off with, you know, the opinions was like, hey, this dude's – McCollum's not going to be there. This guy's not going to be able to just fill in. It's going to be Dame's team. Yeah, it's Dame's team. But Dame has always shared the basketball with a guy like McCollum. And I think Simons is actually starting to realize that now. And he's playing much better, you know, in the last couple of games. Now, Dame hasn't been there, but – in the, the last couple games with Dame, Simons has actually played quite well. So I think he's, he's I don't want to say overperforming, but he's certainly playing uh,
1: really well right now. No, I, I think you got to say he's overperforming. I mean, Dame goes out. This was the worst ATS team, worst against expectations team we've ever seen. And it's largely the same roster, but Anthony Simons is a year older. And look at his usage. You mentioned he played again with Dame uh, against the Heat. But here's the usage the last five games. So Dame goes out. It was 60, 57, 84, 92 percentile. So how much is he being used? 92nd percentile, most used player in the league. The game before Dame comes back, and it it stepped up every game that Dame was out. Okay, so Dame comes back 97th percentile for Simons in the next game, puts up 25 again, puts up four assists. So even if Dame has a bad game, they end up beating the Heat, he might have saved the frickin franchise. I mean, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but you're right. Everything was on the table. If Dame goes out for two weeks and they lose every game and it looks like that he has no help, the writing's on the wall. Instead, I think Anthony Simons has the potential to be a much more complete secondary player to Dame at his peak than C.J. McCollum was, and that's what they needed to improve on that backcourt. So, yeah, you got to be really optimistic about Anthony Simons right now. All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit
0: about Blazers when we get to our best bet section. And we also have our featured segment coming up the Wednesday 5. Before we go ahead and get into that, uh, let me go ahead and try to save you guys a little bit of money. This week's coupon to save yourself some cash at pregame.com. Enter code YEAR20. That's YEAR20 quickly for myself. If you guys are looking for year-round access, I finally have it. You can do that at pregame.com and save 20%. You guys have got every pick that I make for an entire year. You get all my Game of the Year's, Game of the Month. But again, that coupon code uh, is YEAR20. If you guys want Max 30-day all access, enter code YEAR20. If you want his six-month access, enter code YEAR20. And that will run you guys all the way through the NBA season for Mac. If you're looking for a six-month access, I would strongly recommend you do that. and Go ahead and save your guys yourself 20% with code YEAR20. With that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into... Uh, some best bets here, Mackenzie, before we get to our featured segment on Wednesday. Um, I want to talk about the
1: Blazers, but I'm curious what you have, because you didn't tell me what your best bet was before the podcast. So who are you looking at? Give me the Milwaukee Bucks minus three in the first half versus OKC later on Wednesday. This one's pretty simple. I think the power ratings make this pretty close to Bucks minus six on the road. But both teams have very stark splits when it comes to first half, second half. So here are the last three seasons. This year, the Bucs are the best first-half team. The Thunder are 28th. Last year, the Bucs were the fourth-best first-half team margin-wise. The Thunder were last, 30th in the league. 2021, Bucks were second first-half margin. Thunder, third to last, 28th again. And it makes a lot of sense from the construction of the teams, where the Bucks have a very physical, simple, straightforward system where once they get a couple stops, Giannis is coming down your throat and they're establishing that lead. And they're going to get a couple stops because they have not only Giannis Antetokounmpo, Defensive Player of the Year candidate. They have Drew Holiday, Defensive Player of the Year candidate at the opposite position, center and point guard. They have everything covered. So that defense impresses itself on teams early when teams have high stamina. And on the other side, teams are not ready for Giannis's sharp elbows. So. And this is something we've seen with Denver Nuggets, with the Philadelphia Sixers, teams that are good in the first half consistently year after year remain good in the first half. And so far, the Thunder and their reconstruction have been uh, plucky under the new coach. They've covered a lot of spreads down the stretch. They've come back in a lot of games. They've been awful in the first half. And yeah, I know Drew Holiday has been downgraded to doubtful, but still his backup point guard, Javon Carter, is a defense first point guard. Brooke Lopez still elite defensively. They have enough pieces and teams don't expect it to begin the game. So I'll take the Bucs with a short number minus the three in the first half tonight versus the Thunder.
0: All right, I dig it. I dig it. And I think maybe one of the biggest motivators for you there, McKenzie, is the fact that the Bucs are coming off of their first loss of the season. So I can see a big bounce back effort here. Jan is probably going to take over this game. And look, it is OKC. It's not like they're the greatest team in the league, so we'll see. If they can slow SGA down a little bit, I think they'll be perfectly fine in that game. Let's jump over to my best bet. I like the Blazers here, Mac. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take them as my best bet minus the four and a half points. I like the rest day for all these teams, but I think that this actually helps the Blazers here far more. You know, they're in the midst of a road trip right now, and they get a break from being on the road. The Blazers, after this game, they get two tough road games in a row, and that's against the Pelicans and the Mavs. And they, both of these teams right now are on a back-to-back. So I think this road trip at a minimum, if they get a win here against Charlotte, it's a success right now for the Blazers. Why would this Blazers team want to rest guys tonight when they have to go ahead and play, you know, a tough team in the Pelicans? It just doesn't make any sense, to, to, you know, to me tomorrow. Charlotte terrible right now, lost seven out of their last eight, five straight losses in a row. And this team's one and four at home, so I'm not worried that they're playing at home. Hayward's out. And the Blazers with Dame in the lineup right now, they're five and one on the season. And without Hayward, the Hornets are 0-3. Dennis Smith Jr. is, you know, trying to do what he can, but he's been gimpy the last couple of games. I think the Blazers go all in tonight to win this game. Four and a half is, is perfectly fine for me. They're the better team. And uh I have real I have no real faith uh in Charlotte going ahead and getting a win here at home. So I'll go ahead, I'll make my best bet, the Blazers minus four and a half. Not sure how you're feeling about that one, but feel
1: pretty good about that, Mac. Agree with you that the rest day helps the Blazers more than most teams. Uh, Damian Lillard will have uh, you know, his legs underneath him a little bit more shot. Not great in his return. And on the Hornets side, I kind of think this slide should have been predictable. I mean, they start the season, they got no expectations. One of their players is in jail. They do a little bit better than people expect. But now they're kind of in no man's land. I mean, LaMelo Ball's not going to be back for this game, but he should be back in the next week. I feel like they're just in a waiting period before they decide what they want to do with this season. So they're listless right now. I could only look at the Blazers. That was a good point there. I think that with Bridges out and LaMelo out and now
0: you're I guess maybe you could say your best player maybe in in Hayward, which I guess that's debatable. You go from, you know, being a playing team, maybe a, you know, maybe a 7 or an 8 seed to potentially one of the worst teams in the league right now. And that's the way that they're playing. They can't win at home. They won three games on the year, and it's just not a very good team right now. So um, it was a team that, that I think looked good last year. They don't look good right now. But what does look good there, McKenzie, is our featured segment, the Wednesday 5. I think you and I got to come up with a, a better showing than we had last week, which actually wasn't bad. We haven't
1: had a bad showing yet. but No, we've had about 40 entrants each of the three weeks now. Yeah, three weeks, and uh, we've been above above 50% each time. We've been 19th or 18th, but you know what? Above 50%, when you guys run in the contest, it's not that great. We can do better than that. Let's let's get top three finished this time. Let's do it. All right, well, here's
0: what we're going to do, guys. Mackenzie and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to pick five players to score the most points combined, and we'll post those picks in the pregame.com forum. There will be a thread in the pregame.com forum that will be stuck in there. Make sure you guys put your five players in there. Highest combined score, you'll end up winning 55 pregame bulk dollars. It spends just like cash. You guys just check your account if you won. Last week, uh, A-Train 702, he was the winner. So congrats to A-Train 702. He got his 55 pregame bulk dollars. Now, Mac and I, we got our lineup ready for the week. Shout out to A-Train, by the way, representing my city. 702, baby. All right, so our five picks are going to start out here with Damian Lillard. Uh, Lillard, I think he's going to be on a mission tonight against the Charlotte team. I don't believe there's anybody that can stop him. And I like the fact that he has a day rest, you know, coming off of, you know, not being in there for a couple of days. So I think Dame has a pretty big game there tonight. I also like Jokic, believe it or not. I don't think this Indiana interior is all that great. And I think Jokic will probably look to go ahead and have a big night scoring. Yeah, he's out there assisting and rebounding, but... His scoring has been down, but I think a lot of it's just because you got guys like Porter out there, Jamal Murray trying to get those guys involved. Even Aaron Gordon had a big scoring game, but I think this is clearly a Jokic game there um, tonight. And then the other guy I'm going to go with there, McKenzie, is Keldon Johnson. He's going to go up against the Grizzlies, and I think getting Johnson here at home with the Spurs uh, is going to be a pretty good pick for us tonight. He scored 30 in his last game. I talked about this, uh, this guy, you know, a couple podcasts back saying that I thought he was maybe a dark horse all-star candidate, that he was perfectly fine filling in here for DeJounte Murray. So I believe he has a big game against this Grizzlies team tonight. I think he goes for 30-plus in this one. So those are the three picks that I came up with that I liked most.
1: That was Dane Jokic and Keldon Johnson. You got two there, Mac, that you like. Who are we going to round out our final five? Yeah, let's stick in that Spurs-Grizzlies game. I expect a high uh, up-and-down game with a lot of transition opportunities, and I expect the Grizzlies to capitalize. John Morant is our guy, MVP candidate. For me, it all has to do with the game script. I feel like the Grizzlies are going to want to run on this team. The Spurs are bottom five in transition opportunities allowed, and the Grizzlies are top five in transition opportunities taken. So that's where I'm going. I like John Morant to have a big night. All right, and my next pick, our fifth pick, will be Shea Gilgis-Alexander, SGA. Talked about the Bucs thunder. I expect the Bucs defense to be lit be ready to avenge their first loss of the season. However, with Drew Holiday doubtful, I don't think they have the guards at they have a lot of great defenders. They don't have a lot of great guard defenders outside of Drew Holiday. Javon Carter's, you know, decent, but I feel like SGA will keep them in this game as long as possible. Nobody else, I like their matchup. So his over-under is 27.5. I got a strong lean to the over. The Bucks pack the paint. That's what they do defensively. That's what Coach Bud preaches. They take away threes. They take away easy points in the paint. But SGA, that kind of nimble guard that can score from any level, that's always been their bugaboo. And I feel like they can kind of let him have his day. They can let him go wild because if they lock everybody else up, the Thunder really talent-deprived, they should win this game easily. But SGA, Shea Gillis Alexander, will be our fifth pick. Yeah, and he
0: averages 30 points per game. And I think one of the things that maybe – Maybe we could even take a look at in this particular game is maybe looking at Alexander's point prop over. He just played against so. Milwaukee, you know, not that long ago in, in Milwaukee, and he only had eighteen points. That was his season low. But again, Holiday was in there. Now he probably won't be, as McKenzie mentioned, he's listed as doubtful. And your other pick, John ja Morant, I'm not sure Mackenzie, but I think like he's been in every winning lineup and That's true. How do you not pick a guy like Ja? You have a total that's like two hundred and thirty four, so those will be our five picks. We're going to go with Dame Lillard, Jokic, John Morant, Keldon Johnson, and we'll go ahead and we'll take SGA. With that out of the way, let's go ahead let's jump over to our agreed-upon prop bet there, Mackenzie. And you and I decided that we're going to take a look at Fred Van Vliet over 19.5 points. Now, this is on DraftKings right now at minus 135. There are better odds out there, so shop around if you guys have no problem playing over 20.5. You can get that on Fando. I think that was at like minus 110. So uh, we're going to go ahead. We're going to call this Van Fleet over 19 and a half. McKenzie, here's the reason why I like him. And I think it all real boils down to the fact that Pascal the fact that Pascal is not going to be on the floor. The last two games without Siakam, Van Fleet has actually had two really good games. And I think that when you take a, a prolific score off the floor and a guy who's going to get up a lot of shot attempts in Siakam, it leaves guys to go out there and do things that that they want to do, that they've been unable to do. I think with this current lineup for the Raptors there, McKenzie, the one person that has kind of been, I wouldn't say bled dry a little bit from their scoring, it's Ben Van Fleet. Like he hasn't had those 30-point games, those 25-point games. It's it seems like you know he's been trickling around the teens, go out there and be an assister, go out there and be a rebounder. Sure, he's a great basketball player, but his scoring has really never vanished. It's just, it's gone down. This dude can score. He scored 30 and 27 the last two games. I think the 19 and a half is just too low. You're going up against a Rockets team that doesn't play any defense at times. And I think that the Raptors will more than likely, you know, look for Van Fleet to go out there and shoot some threes and and have a pretty big game. So uh, I like him over this total tonight at 19 and a half.
1: Yeah. And another reason why I think this is a get right game for him against the Rockets as 10 point favorites without Siakam, is because he missed several games. He kind of was not part of the party when they won by 40 for San Antonio. You know, he, you know, you look around, you say, Gary Trent Jr. is averaging more points than me. Doesn't seem right. I feel like he uses this opportunity, much like Kobe would do. When he has that, you know, I'll write this on a chalkboard. And I have 40 tonight. He's going to have some kind of motivation like that. And he's going to be relentless. And I expect him to have a big night. 19 and a half seems way too low. And you look at his shooting. He kind of, He's been the same player he was last year, except he's missing every shot so far, 39% against the Rockets, a terrible defense. He's going to improve on those numbers. He's going to make a point of it. Fred Van Vliet over 19 and a half. All right. So there's our agreed upon prop bet. We're
0: going to go ahead and take Van Vliet over 19 and a half. McKenzie, you wanted to wrap up here uh, with a little Kyrie Irving discussion. What did you have on Kyrie that you wanted to go ahead and talk
1: about? Yeah. uh, If you are a fan of my Betting acumen and sleepy's betting acumen are NBA betting talking. I want to turn off the podcast right now. I'm not going to take too much time, but this is not going to be betting related. So, you can thank you for joining us. Uh, Kyrie Irving, shocking to me, has united the black community in a way that I have never seen in my life. The black left, progressives, radicals, the black right, churchgoers, uh, they're united, they're 100% on this issue. Anyone that has done these three things, that has seen the movie or heard about its contents in some detail, heard Kyrie Irving speak and live and be over the last five, 10 years and are black and understand the plight of black people in America. If those, if you strike those three boxes, you have one opinion about Kyrie Irving. It's not a black and white issue. He's being railroaded. He's being publicly. um, I don't want to say publicly lynched, but it's not far from that. Uh, Buck breaking is a term that people have used. He's been brought out. You might have seen that movie Roots and he's uh he's being told to say, my name is Toby. You're going to do it. You're going to do it our way. Uh, if you do it that way, we will get our job. We will give you your job back. Otherwise, if you say your name is Kuta Quinte one more time. You say it one more time. Um, yeah, he's going to say it, though. He's doing right by us. He hasn't. I mean, he apologized for offending people and hurting people. I'm glad he did that. But he's standing up for a movie and a movement and a people that have done nothing wrong, that, that are just looking for understanding of their own history. And you watch that movie. I did. It's not the best documentary I've ever seen. It's probably two hours too long, but it's a lot of black faces. It's 99% black faces talking about black history, talking about black people in the Bible and in um, other places and realms. And to look at that movie, to identify that movie as an evil violent, propaganda, anti-Semitic film. Um, I think it speaks a lot to the misunderstanding, the misconception of um, the outside world has towards the black community and the black community uh, this week. Last week, I was, I told A.J. Hoffman, I'm like, I, I'm i shocked how little response this is getting, that people are just allowing this. Then Shannon Sharp said some. Then Stephen A. Smith said some. Then Jason Williams said some. Jay Williams, I, I guess he goes by now. And Every private conversation that I've had that I've that I've overheard has been the same. That, that you you know you go up to someone and you're like, uh, what do you think about um Kyrie Irving the six, uh, stated things he has to do to uh, re re-enter society public society. Uh, well, I actually thought it was um kind of ridiculous and akin to buck breaking and and slave times and every single one's like, wait a minute, that's exactly what I thought. I thought I was on an island. I thought I was uh, overreacting to this, but those conversations are happening and there's uniting going on and it's, it's, it's awesome to see honestly. And um, I've been distracted. Sure. It's been uh, an issue that I've followed closely, Um, but it's not been for nothing. I think the change that Jalen Brown said, we're going to appeal this suspension. We don't think it's fair. We don't think Kyrie's anti-Semitic. Jalen Brown saying that it it made my whole, my whole year, the fact that we weren't just going to sit and uh, let other people write our story for us not going to happen. And, uh, I'm, I'm heartened by the, the events of the past three days and black people speaking up, you know, speaking our truth. And, um, thank you. Cause I, I didn't know if I was going to have to leave the country, if I was going to have to, uh, James Baldwin it and be like, all right, peace. I'm in France from now on, but no, we got, we got hope here in America, uh, for all people. And, um, I'm really happy about that. I think one of the issues that I
0: have with some of the mainstream media guys there, Mackenzie is that they wait to see you know, what the public reaction is until they decide to go ahead and speak up. And it's like, well, let me, you know, kind of let me weigh this out a little bit. I'm going to wait a couple of days and see, you know, if if there's a place for me to go ahead and, and, and say what I want to say. Kyrie doesn't do that. Kyrie comes out and he says what he wants to say when he wants to say it. And he stands by that. And I think that that's one of the problems with some of the media people is that if they feel a certain way, they put their job before they actually put who they actually are as we can see, Kyrie doesn't do that. So I think that that's one of the things is that, you know, if, if you agree with him, then just come out and say it and, and deal with it the same way that, that Kyrie would, because in the end of the day, I think it gets more done. That's just kind of how I feel about, you know, certain people in the media. But, you know, I talked about this many a times. I like Kyrie. I, I, I love the way he plays basketball. And I think that he's done, you know, a lot and, um, you know, off the basketball court too. So, um, I just hope he comes back and, and plays for the Nets and you know we can see that team go ahead and, and kind of do what they're doing. And hopefully, you know, we can go ahead and, and see that team actually do well, you know, because we, we predicted that, you know, that they would be a pretty damn good team. So we'll see how the Kyrie thing shakes out. I think the fact that, you know, maybe that, the, that they, you know, got the interim coach in there, McKenzie, that there's going to be some things that get shaken up a little bit and some things that actually get fixed. And I think the Kyrie situation, might actually get fixed to the point that maybe they don't hold him to the fire there and say, you need to do all these things. You know what I mean? So I don't know. So the next time he can come back, ironically, um, is going to be against LeBron against the Lakers, which will be on, uh, I think, November the 13th. So
1: a couple days away before Kyrie can come back. Isn't that rich? Isn't that rich? And LeBron talking about um, talking before he read the room uh, was very critical Of Kyrie Irving. And there wasn't just one black person that said, man, I lost a lot of respect for LeBron because I know what Kyrie did and what LeBron said about him and talking about his hate speech and all these things. That's not Kyrie. Never has been. I pray it never will be. And uh, for someone that knows him personally, that spent years, that was in the wars with him, to completely disregard that knowledge that he's a peaceful, gentle person uh, and to talk about his hate speech as if he had made hate speech was extremely disappointing. And, uh, but Lebron's a PR guy and he in that mode misread the room he heard what a lot of the mainstream media was saying about the issue how they were describing it but the people said nah man that ain't that ain't what's happening well, we'll see how everything shakes
0: out hopefully he'll be on the court there um, against LeBron that'll be a that'll certainly be an interesting game but that'll wrap it up guys uh, you got our best bet you got our Wednesday 5 again make sure you guys jump into the pregame.com forum. Post your five picks and make sure you guys use that code to save you a little bit of money there. Uh, year two zero. So that'll wrap up the NBA Dream Podcast. You could always find Mackenzie and I on RJ Bell's Dream Podcast feed. Get us on Twitter at sleepyj underscore pregame at Mac and Rivers. Make sure you guys like and subscribe to the podcast. We review if you can. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck here on Wednesday. Enjoy the games.